people like games. Today, I'm joined by Hawk Nelson, who has just joined uh, NRG in the partnership department. Hawk, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Of course, of course. Uh, What's a little... uh, I guess transparency for the viewers. This is our first time meeting, so if you guys are like, you know, you're talking for the first time, shit, that we is sure are. First time. Yep. <laughs> but as we were just talking, we were getting in some intro role. We'll start with gaming. Obviously, what do you know? People like games. What are you playing right now? So what is what is the main game that sort of got your focus and attention? You know, uh, League of Legends is kind of a constant in my life. I'm always playing that, but I'm trying to broaden, you know, what I'm playing because mm-hmm. I've, I've been playing that game for like 10 years now. Uh, but I've been playing the new Super Mario World on the Switch with Bowser's Fury. So that's been How a ton it? of fun. It, it's pretty good. I, uh, I picked it up originally for the Wii U, you know, back when I had a Wii U. But, you know, uh, the Wii U was such a dud that yeah, like... Exactly. I, I just didn't really enjoy it, but I'm enjoying it a lot more this time around. And then I'm also trying to pick up Valorant because our uh, our professional Valorant team at NRG is doing uh, pretty well. And there's talks about doing some like in-house games uh, with uh, the staff. And since I've never really been a big FPS guy, I really got to uh, get good real quick to <laughs> not be the say, worst player come. at the company. <laughs> That's got to be a tough one. You play with a bunch of pros and Valorant. I already got a hard enough time right. to get into the lobby. I'm like, <laughs> this is tough. So then, if uh, if FPS isn't your uh, your usual go to genre, you got some league. Are you a team fight tactics man? I've been playing a little bit of that. I go through like periods of that. Just like the same with goes with like uh, Hearthstone or you know Legends of Runeterra. I go through these bouts where like i'm playing nothing but tft or hearthstone mm-hmm. or runeterra for like a week and then i get pretty done with it because there's yeah, like at least for a competitive guy like me there's that extra level you need to get to to like actually start improving at the game and i've never felt the desire to like go through that process of like actually learning how to build a deck or learning mm-hmm. how to properly do all the tft strats and stuff like that so i the i comps, get etc exactly so i'd say like once a quarter (laughs) i get i get a kick for one of those turn-based games that's right so then if if uh on a on a a base sale what it would be your favorite genre of of games because we're gonna Mm -hmm. go fps i'm gonna say you're an rts guy from what i'm seeing but where else does that expand out into yeah well i i've always been a big pokemon guy pokemon was my Mm -hmm. first game like ever so i've always been a big pokemon guy i'm a big platformer guy so that's been mario i love donkey kong uh, tropical freeze that game is great Uh, uh, i also played a whole ton of hades when that was big a couple months ago so i got obsessed with hades and if i my one of our co-hosts reggie he's obsessed too what an incredible game. I didn't know, I know. How it was out for two years without being on the radar. I know, right? Whatsoever. That's <laughs> what blew my mind. Because we were just talking yeah. about discoverability. And I was like, it came out in 2018. Like, I know. That's the prize. Yeah, um, my, uh, my my girlfriend, uh, she just graduated from uh, DePaul University with a, a game design degree. So she is really... You know, she's much more into like the indie titles as opposed to like mm-hmm. the AAA uh, games and stuff like that. So she's a great resource for just like finding new games that I've never heard of. And I saw her play Hades a ton and I was like, OK, I, I got to get in on this now. <laughs> it's great. If you want a very unique game, Capto. Uh, C-A-P-T-O. Yeah, it's super interesting. It's sort of like a laying out map game. I was playing on Xbox Game Pass because I have the same thing where indie games end up having sort of the most uh 
uniquely stylized or you know right mechanical sort of thing so that you see it there of course you'll see it in a mainstream game in two three years but seeing it sort of in that position um and on the note of hades <clears throat> amazing replayability for a game that oh, yeah. is is potentially repetitive seeming like cuphead was a big one for me that i loved yeah. but that rogue style game that like you we were talking about competitively too at a certain degree you're like man i'm getting a little frustrated with <laughs> this redundancy and the feeling it fe but hades every time felt very fresh all the weapons etc so exactly because it's one of those games where it it uh, i don't want to say it rewards you for failing but you know you're accruing gold you're gaining that you know i don't know what they call it dark matter or whatever yeah, that you can spend to words, yeah right right to you yeah. know okay now you take reduced damage or you get more you know uh better chance of better boons or you know something mm -hmm. like that so each time you're playing you are progressing at least in terms of your personal stats so that you can eventually uh beat the game and that was that was a great uh, mixture. I think that's a new one. So this is what we're talking about, like indie games, to, to have a, a <clears throat> something that's continual on top. So I don't know if you've played Dead Cells at all. It mm -hmm. has like it is a similar structure in that it allows you to do that roguelike while building up uh, skills, etc., that you can sort of hold on to for the whole game. Sure. But uh, so then this brings us <clears throat> over then to get to the wider ranging question: if you have one, a favorite game or game series of all time. It's hard for me to say anything besides Pokemon, just because, like, that was my first game. They've got, you know, a new one coming out every year, and, you know, I always buy it. You know, I would actually love to see a side-by-side -side comparison of hours played of Pokemon versus League of Legends, because I don't know which one is more at this point, but it's hard for me to say anything but Pokemon, just because it's been so, so long. It just It's the lifeline. I mean, especially with the, the sentimental value. Um, Pokemon Legends, are you excited? Oh, yeah, big time. Right. I, big you know, because everyone's been clamoring for that open world stuff for mm -hmm. such a long time. And, you know, clearly, uh, you know, people were saying before, well, maybe it's because the Switch can't handle it from a technological perspective. But Breath of the Wild obviously proved that, you know, that's not an Witcher issue. Witcher 3 on it. Like, right, exactly. So that that's not the issue here. It's clearly just, you know is pokemon willing to deviate enough because it's the mm -hmm. best-selling ip of all time do they really need to are they willing they, to experiment you know at, at what point is it too much or something dangerous that would sort of inherently hurt the brand because I, I like because i'm really excited for the moba because i uh right Pokemon unite <laughs> i mean you're legal you got you got both of those things right yeah 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 <laughs> uh, and so when i saw that i was like oh that's a really great one and then you know i'm surprised because Although they even that intro reel for the Nintendo uh, for the Pokemon Presents was beautiful. What a life! What a childhood yeah. flashback. Um, but seeing how they've sort of been conservative in what they've sort of adapted into, it feels a little bit. Maybe I could be wrong as, as a Pokemon fan. Do you feel that some of the iterations of games that you've seen in the past few years could be like prototypes for what they were doing with Pokemon Legends? Because watching it, I was like, I feel like there's two, three games Nintendo came out with their Pokemon Company that have pieces of these mechanisms in them, mm -hmm. but that don't look completed. And Sword and Shield always felt like, I felt like you guys just like stop making this game. And then we're like, right. you know, I'm excited, but it was curious. So uh, would you would you see that as someone who's dedicated to playing them, that you feel that each of them build on something that they added in the last one. So whatever we'll see in this newest game will be sort of right. piecemeal from. I think, I think 
uh, Pokemon and the Nintendo as a whole had this big issue going back to whenever the Wii U was released, be that 2012 or 2013, where they didn't really know what to do with it and how to convert that to like differentiating between the Wii U and then the mobile market, you know, for like mm-hmm. playing the Wii U or playing like the DS or 3DS or what have you. But then with the Switch, they finally decided, okay, we're we're not really doing the Game Boy 3DS model like at all anymore. We're going straight to just the Switch, doing everything on the Switch. And I think that really messed up, you know, I, I don't actually know, but I think that really messed up their development pipeline for mm-hmm. a lot of things they were working on. And I think uh, when you look at a game like uh, Sword and Shield, there wasn't really a lot of people complained at least that the base game didn't have that much like to do. It was mm-hmm. very you know not a lot going on, and you know first game Pokemon game on the Switch, there should be amazing graphics and stuff like that. But I think that game was a port of a 3DS game that they just didn't you know have the time interesting. Yeah. to you know do anything for. So they wanted to play around with some more you know nicer mechanics like Pokemon following you in the overworld, which they put more into the expansion passes. Uh, so they, they definitely want to do it. I just think that there are a lot of, it's a very conservative company. They were trying to experiment and iterate in a way that was meaningful, but they didn't know how to do that while still maintaining, you know, uh, the evolution of the Pokemon games, I guess. And it's great you say it because like seeing Nintendo move over for the Switch and seeing basically <laughs> the the full iteration of what they wanted to do with the Wii U in the first place. Because I have the Wii U here right behind me because I play Wind Waker and I, I, I got, you know, I'm not going to get right. it from Nintendo. I got to play on the Classic. And I love how like if you move 50 feet away, it's like, oh, it's not working. I'm like, this doesn't feel right. But yeah, with regards to what you're saying with Pokemon, now with the Switch or the move and the sort of dedication switch and getting that mobile market away. Um, I think with uh, what they've been trying to do, I guess like Pokemon Let's Go became much bigger, I think, than they had expected. And I think that even paused the pipeline. It's sort of like a GTA problem, right? Where GTA 5, I think, got so big that they could have had GTA 6 out earlier, potentially, Mm -hmm. speculatively. But if you're making that much money hand over fist on some sort of property, why not just keep dropping right. some DLC and keeping that going? And then when you see a little plateau, you can rebuild interest. Sure. Uh, and like Pokemon, it's all let's go. Like, cause my girlfriend's been playing let's go a lot. So I've been sort of, I never played it. Didn't get familiarized <laughs> with the mechanics of it, but having played sword and shield and all that, I love to see it. I think your, your idea of it was a port that didn't get brought over was uh, an interesting one, but I was happy with that. I would just, it was the experience I wanted of just a Pokemon game in that world, even if it's not everything. Yeah, I don't know. I think Pokemon in general has like such a uh, big challenge where they have, you know, look, this is a rated E game for children. <laughs> at the end they're of the, the day, Disney, like, they're the Disney of gaming. It's the same yeah. way that they had to figure it out for Kingdom Hearts. How do you integrate your characters into a world that might? or even any version of it that might not be controlled by you. Right. And, you know, people complain, well, you know, this game is a lot easier than it was, you know, 20 years ago when I played at age, you know, six in 2001 or whatever it was. And it's like, yeah, the game, like Nintendo has acknowledged that Pokemon has gotten easier, but also like, you know, you're, you're a full grown man now. Of course, it's going to be I was gonna a say, lot I was like, easier. Things, you know? things aren't as difficult as when I was six. Something's wrong here. Yeah, like I when I first started playing Pokemon, I couldn't even read. Like, <laughs> of course, it's going to be a lot different. So, you know, it, it, Pokemon is never going to make everybody happy. But I think overall, they've done a 
pretty good job of balancing between people like us that have been playing those games for a really long time and you know have mm-hmm. you know high expectations or we've grown out of pokemon to an extent and have played other games and want the you know the certain improved quality of life changes to be brought to pokemon but mm-hmm. then they're also you know eight-year-olds picking up their first game ever and it's pokemon and you know you got it's a really hard balancing act and i think overall they've done a pretty good job 100 like my co-host's first games are diamond and pearl and i'm like right i don't know how that feels like you, you were if you weren't <laughs> playing with the classic game boy I, this is a different experience for pokemon right but uh very much we on all those but then that actually brings me to a great one because i know now you're a pokemon person you might have a very good answer to this one and one of our favorite questions on the show what is one cartoon book animated series comic etc piece of art fiction literature that you would love to see adapted into a video game uh and made into an immersive experience so just for some Hmm. some uh, background uh azim who you know had brought up batman beyond our co-host reddy had brought up uh yu yu hakusho yeah, got a little bit of anime here too. Uh, and then we have an Ed, Ed, and Eddie uh, simulator request as well. <laughs> I, I love that uh, just in general, we're seeing um, IP just explored in a lot of different ways. You know, uh, the biggest example of that being, you know, when Disney bought Marvel and, you know, they're, you know, probably mil- milking that a bit too much, but they made all those movies out of it. They're exploring it with gaming now. They're, you know, vamping up the uh, the comics and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot more of just IP in general being explored in a bunch of different ways. But uh, something, one of the first things that came to mind was um, Ender's Game, uh, which is one of my favorite books growing up. Uh, and what what reminds me of that is that it kind of, you know, Ender, the character, plays um, his own sort of like RPG within the book. But then uh, when he's doing these training simulations to fight against the big alien race or whatever they're called, I immediately get StarCraft vibes. <laughs> and that's so, you know, it's, it's a game, an Ender's game video game could combine, you know, rpg elements with also you know maybe you're also playing you know the rpg that ender was playing but there's also you know the rts elements and strategy or maybe that's turn-based like a fire emblem or something like that i think there are a lot of different cool things you could do with that ender's game that's my answer answer. yeah great because that is very open because like it opens up all those different immersive aspects from strategy to space battles to the actual you know because there's a few games that try to put in the different types of gameplay right singular experience that's a hell of an idea so developers <laughs> man credit if you try to adapt that all right so now that is that was a great one so then i'm gonna keep on that one uh what is it about video games that make you prefer them to other mediums uh hmm that's tough because i definitely you know i enjoy you know uh, i watch movies i watch tv mm-hmm. shows i read you know I, i'm a big music guy too but i think with uh gaming specifically is that it's interactive right you know it's you're putting in an input and then you know something else is responding to that you know so if music is just audio movies and tv shows are audio visual you know that's like one and then two of the five senses but then gaming is you know you could almost argue that that's putting in the third of that you know touch maybe where you're really just getting another uh, level of sensory experience with it and gaming as a whole has just so much more um 
diversity and uh, different sort of things that you can do that you just don't really see as much in, you know, movies and TV shows where, you know, you, you brought up Cuphead earlier. Uh, mm -hmm. Cuphead is one of those games where not only is it an awesome game in and of itself, you know, very intense, very challenging. Uh, it's also got this fantastic art style, you know, based mm -hmm. on old timey cartoons. And, you know, I love when a game not only has great, uh, gameplay aspects but it also has great art great design you know really cool elements to it you know hades being another great example of you know having this fantastic very unique art style with great music and great voice acting but it's also you know all that stuff would mean a lot less if it wasn't also a fantastic game which it is you know 100 percent, 100 percent. and it's, it's very interesting you mentioned with the with the hollywood and the video game ip adaptation as well uh and the marvel purchase as well because i feel like one the tapping out of all those comic book characters has led to all of this interest in gaming ip suddenly right they need new stories to be able to tell yeah. them. not many comics left um and then in addition the way and exactly what you're just talking about the way some of these indie titles can create such beautiful aesthetics or gameplay and these sort of unique visual and sensory experiences comparatively to the movie experience because i'm a big movie guy as well big book guy but movies have moved towards that sort of tentpole system of you if it's not big and gigantic you do just yeah don't watch it right and in gaming the exact ones that we keep talking about specifically are the ones that are uh, much more indie. Indie is a place where it's blossoming. Right. Same way with indie films. You know, I'm sure those are some of your favorites. Well, same with me, where you see the the creator and uh, or the director go through all of these sort of they they put their personality on them, and I mm -hmm. think indie games give the a great place for that. Um, and so I, I I do agree. It blends all of them. So then then moving in, so you said diversity as well. Do you? Because this is probably a big questioning happening amongst the, the gamerati. Um, what is the definition of a gamer? I don't... This is something I struggle a lot with, too, especially when uh, I, I don't really sell at the moment at my current job. But uh, at my old job, I was selling uh esports sponsorships a lot you know sponsoring you know uh you know a big uh esports tournament or what, whatever it might be and brands would always say you know well we, we really want to hit that gamer segment and you know the more i heard that the more i was like to me who doesn't play video games anymore mm -hmm. you know like um pretty much every athlete that you see you know getting drafted into the nba or nfl now you know so many of them mentioned that you know part of what you know maintained their drive to get into the nfl or nba was that they played madden or nba 2k mm -hmm. growing up or something like that and uh i just think it's something that most people do now you know yeah. at, at least people of our generation back okay. you know you're you're not really going to find people that haven't at least played any sort of video game anymore i'm sure it's different for older generations but even um the older generations most most have played some sort of you know game on their phone you know my mm -hmm. aunt who definitely wouldn't call herself a gamer you know she's what 65 and you know she plays a ton of candy crush you know she wouldn't fit that normal gamer definition but she's she's racking up hours in games you know we, so we like about this too right if someone's playing 10 hours of candy crush a week and you're playing 10 hours a league aren't we both games 
what, what's the difference? Yeah, yeah exactly. 100%. And, you know, when someone says they want to market to gamers, to me, that's just like the same way as saying, you know, we really want to war- market to people that watch movies or listen to yeah. music and it's like yeah. okay so everybody you know everybody they're... right it's <laughs> like course... oh, you know it's not a catch-all phrase it's buzzwords yeah. man buzzwords get people to think that it's all general yeah and i mean of course there are the uh there are people like you know i'm assuming like us that you know are maybe the more hardcore gamers that you know let the different gaming ip seep into different elements of our life you know you've got a pokemon cereal box in the back i've got a mewtwo funko pop i don't think it's in shot but you know we so like there's a difference there obviously but i think it's very outdated to say that uh you know we want to hit a gaming audience when everybody pretty much games now and that that's not going away uh you know anyone that's younger than us is gonna have played at least some video game growing up because everybody's got a phone so 100 percent. so brands if you're listening we've evolved past (laughs) the 18 to 25 male demo so reflect but that actually opens up a great uh question as well i got one or two more for you before i let you get out of here but speaking of brands so obviously the space is gaming has obviously gotten much more popular in, in the past year or two and a whole bunch of non uh endemic or you know non-traditional brands sure. and sponsors are starting to come into the into the space uh and it's opening up a lot of unique opportunities and opening up basically as you're saying a new version of what a gamer is and who it can reach to uh what are some of the most interesting versions of that that you've seen uh, exists in the space at the moment any partnerships that have occurred that you're like that was a smart one or you know <laughs> I guess even more specifically what is yeah what do you what do you see the space like for or uh, the direction of these sort of sponsors is it saturated moving anywhere I think that <clears throat> just like with uh, any sort of sponsorship there's a lot of there's a huge difference between just slapping a logo on something and you know truly integrating your brand into the content that you know an esports team might put out for example and i think gaming and esports has kind of proven in general that uh there needs to be a big change in how sponsorship works as a whole because you know you see pretty much every i don't know if you have any sponsors or anything but you know you you see with any podcast or you know youtube video you know so many have sponsors and you know the youtuber will say you know this was brought to you by so and so and they do a quick blurb or whatever but uh, everyone knows that you know the youtuber isn't really into it the audience isn't really into it it's just something to keep the lights on and i mm-hmm. think there's such a challenge to create meaningful content that resonates with the brand for one thing which is very difficult to do but then bring that brand in a way that's meaningful to the audience of the esports team of the streamer whoever it may be and i think nrg actually i admit i'm biased does a, a very good job of that um But in terms of uh, what I'd like to see more of in the partnership space, I think we're going to see a lot more um, cross-pollination of different kinds of entertainment mediums coming together. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you know, we've seen a lot of musicians start to buy into uh, esports orgs. So, like, Mm -hmm. uh, Post Malone invested into Envy, Drake bought into 100 Thieves. Thieves. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think... is in phase... Right, right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so I I think we're going to get to this point, you know, uh, we're almost there already, I think, where uh, 
the big esports athletes, the big streamers uh, that do gaming full time are going to be seen on the same level as, you know, top athletes, top musicians. And we're going to see a lot more cross pollination content like we've seen where, you know, just last week in Post Falone did that Pokemon concert mm-hmm. or, you know, the Travis Scott Fortnite thing or, you know, Ninja did something in partnership with Marshmallow, the DJ. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to see a lot more just like you already see you know big nba stars hanging out with top rappers i think you know soon enough and you know comedians too you're gonna see uh streamers start hanging out in those same entourages <laughs> interesting interesting that that's funny so ninja ninja was a, a prescient uh character uh, out of nowhere that's very interesting um and, and 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 i very much agree on that end of uh things sort of blending in i guess on that end of these sort of entertainment mediums and the sort of marriage of uh, different platforms coming in, what is, in your opinion, the most valuable but at the moment overlooked opportunity in esports? So someone was like, you can do any partnership or any version of something in esports that you wanted today. And you're like, why isn't anybody doing this? What comes to mind? There are there are Especially two. Someone experience. There are two. So the first thing that I think of is um, there. There's so much. Uh, there's so many similarities between uh, a bunch of people living together in a gaming house, all trying to be streamers together, and you know, making it. Just like you know, Phase is a great example. They have a ton of content houses, and you know, they mm-hmm. all live together, stream together, and cross pollinate each other with content and stuff like that. And I'm all now that I look at it, I'm always reminded of. Um, Odd Future. I'm a big Tyler, the creator fan. And um, Odd Future, at least for me, was this first big rap collective where not only were they all making music together, they were also making YouTube videos together. They were doing Loiter Squad. You know, they were doing a ton of things together Mm -hmm. that wasn't even just music. You know, they're doing a bunch of skate stuff. You know, they um, were really just famous people and they were all friends together and they would a bunch of different things together and i think we're going to see a lot more of just uh streamers in general having these interests outside of gaming and that's where you're going to see these bigger brands rise up just like odd future did where Mm -hmm. uh you know odd future golf wing all those brands you know the Mm -hmm. same same guy but you know all coming out of that and i think we're going to see a lot more of that too i'm waiting for the first rap collective that also streams in gaming uh i think it's going to happen soon uh I, i do within the next year or two because there's such a big uh crossover too between you know so many people listen to music while they game mm-hmm. so you know if a streamer can go hey check out this song that i made and i'm streaming it on twitch or whatever i mean you can't really get better marketing than that especially with that dmca nonsense going on <laughs> exactly. so, i mean if you're a musician exactly. no opportunity and money there exactly um the other thing that is big uh, abroad, but it's not big in the U.S. yet. Is uh, anything related to mobile esports? Um, uh, anything esports related right now is pretty much exclusively PC. You're seeing a little see bit console stuff, but what? Do you see that coming to the West in the same manner? Ah, uh, and and that's the thing where I don't know for sure. Um, because I study this as a technological thing. We that the areas that are are popular with mobile gaming, they skip the computer era. So they went straight from no internet to mobile and we're stuck in the lag time of not adapting to mobile uh, in the same way other 
countries around the world might have. I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, obviously there's a huge difference between, you know, the gaming market here in the U.S. and, say, you know, Brazil or Indonesia or something mm -hmm. like that. But at the same time, I don't want to be the crotchety old man that just because mobile was never a thing for me. Mm -hmm. Does it mean that it's not going to be the future of gaming here in the U.S.? Because, like, mm -hmm. if you look at the growth of, if you're looking at three segments, mobile, PC, and console, even in just the U.S., spend in mobile is outpacing the other two, and the growth is far larger, yeah, too. Um, and I'm shocked that we aren't seeing more content being built around that yet. Uh, the only group I only I see doing uh, mobile content is um, uh, Tribe Gaming. Uh, they, they're an esports org uh, based in Austin, Texas, and they're the only org I see doing uh, esports content based exclusively on mobile. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that just because the people that are like 9, 10, 11 today, sure, they're probably playing Fortnite, you know, which, you know, NRG obviously does a ton of, um, but are they is their first console that they're playing on a pc or is it even you know like an xbox or a playstation no it's probably a tablet or if not that and with, with cloud gaming too is they even going to push pc or console sales or mobile right. sales only going to double down further um i i do agree with that very much yeah, so I, I'm trying to balance it out between, you know, uh, trying to be a healthy skeptic about what I believe in terms of, you know, the U.S. market is obviously very different in a lot of ways. It's very unique compared to the rest of the world. But the kids, the the young people of today are definitely starting their experiences the more on mobile. Yes, the youths are all about them, uh, cell phones, you know. I was so going to say, gotta, all about them. You got to make sure you're paying attention to that, too. Exactly. And I was going to say, now, then on the last one, would you say uh, a focus on gaming outside of the United States and a more global impact would be a smart idea for esports and gaming brands to do as well? Because like you're saying, if you're going for different segments, why are you going to focus on only, say, the U.S. and transforming that market instead of maybe finding markets where they are? Do you see a lot of that in gaming where the, un the international market might be a little bit undervalued? Oh, there's there there's a ton of that. I just, you know, I don't see a reason why a U.S.-based esports org has to be you know, that org for everybody abroad, you know, why would, mm -hmm. why would it have to be an American org? That's also the biggest org in Brazil or Indonesia mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, China, you know, uh, no U S esports org can touch China. You know, it's got its own much bigger ecosystem, you know? Uh, but a great example is that of that is that there's this org in Brazil called loud. I think it's just loud. It might be loud gaming. Um, but their whole thing is uh, Free Fire, Garena Free Fire. And they were the first esports org ever to hit uh, a billion views on YouTube across all of their videos. Um, oh, wow. You know, uh, and NRG, we just got awarded, you know, most watched esports org in NA uh, for February, which is great. But, you know, oh, okay. the, uh, uh, the, the audience in the US is obviously very different from that of Brazil. The motivations are very different. So, I don't see any world, especially as we're seeing gaming moving much more into the entertainment space as opposed mm -hmm. to just purely a sports or athletics play. Why would it why would it be a U.S. you know, entertainment company that's the biggest one in Brazil? You know, mm -hmm. 100 percent. I always look at it a little bit more like Netflix, where you can have 
a company that adapts from its American market to Netflix India and Netflix, and they sort of cater what they're doing there. But like you said, it's very hard to beat uh, organic growth in a market from a different country as well. Like if you're going to go into Brazil and compete with the Brazil version of your own organization, like an MIBR, et cetera, you're going to be in sort of a different playing field. But well, just anybody that wants to reach an international market, you know, don't assume it's going to be, you know, the exact same as just like exactly what you did in the U.S. You know, for one yeah. thing, why would someone abroad, let's just use Brazil, you know, why would a Brazilian want to support you in the first place when they've got a ton of their own, you know, people doing awesome things in their own country? So one, why would they? And two, you know, how are you showing any sort of commitment, you know, yeah. to the country? You know, that's that's a long term investment that I don't think a lot of esports orgs really have the time horizon for you know a lot of yeah. people are looking for quick two to three year turnarounds but to really be authentic to the the country you really need to invest long term you know on like a five ten year horizon which i don't think a lot of people are willing to do that aggressive two to three roi on on buzzword uh gaming investments is not doing anybody well or right. building a long-lasting organization but um that's about that's about all i had uh Hawk, thank you very much for coming on. What's your what's your Twitter for the folks? Oh, uh, I think it's just at Hawk Nelson. H a u k n e l s o n. H a u k n e l s o n. That was a great chat. I had a great time. Uh, I Likewise. feel like I've taken a lot of your time already. So I'm like, oh shit! I look at the time. I was like, oh, I feel like this is going on. I gotta let him go. Um, but it was great. Um, if you'd ever like to, please come on the show again. You got anybody sure, from NRJ to. you want to uh, bring over to talk a little bit as well? Happy to bring anyone on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. All right, man. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye. All right. So